Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. How many of you guys have ever heard of Clean Slate, right? And I look at every year as a clean slate. And so I looked up, what does that mean? What does that mean when we talk about a clean slate? Well, there's, there's actually three um, ideas that where we get this terminology from a clean slate. Um, one, one way that was considered a clean slate is if you uh, were back in Victorian days, what they would do is they would have like a chalkboard. And what they would do is they would, they would begin to set up an account for you, uh, like a pub or a grocery store. You go in and say, hey, I don't have the money. I don't get paid for, till Friday. But if you will go ahead and just put like two pounds of beef and some taco seasoning on my account, then I'll pay it on Friday when I get there. And then whenever you pay the account, when the account is paid, they wipe the slate clean. So that, that chalkboard that showed that you owed, you know, $8 or whatever for your meat and taco seasoning was wiped off. How many of y'all buy meat and taco seasoning? Come on. We live in Texas. We know that that's the, you just don't buy meat without buying taco seasoning. It's just the way it is. And the, the next way is, is in the nautical, it was a, a nautical, uh, terminology that whenever people would go out and, and they, they were shipping and things like that, they were shipping cargo or they're going out and fishing, what they do is they would cover their distances and they would cover their, their log and where they were going. They'd write it down on a slate. This is one of the, you know, they didn't have paper like we do. They didn't just wad up and throw it in the trash or in the recycling bin if you're real green. Uh, they would write down, Leslie's green. I'm like always trying to push it in the trash can. <laughs> Yes, she does. She did, she will dig it up. And so, anyway, she's, yeah, save, save the whales. Okay, so, uh, anyway. Anyway, so the, this nautical thing, what they would do is, is they would write down all this, and then at the end of the night, they would wipe the slate clean. And then the most common term is back in Victorian times, uh, school children used to write on boards that looked like this. This would be considered a slate board. And what would happen is children would do their, their assignments on these boards. They didn't have paper and computers and laptops and iPads like they do now. This was the iPad of the Victorian era right here. Come on. This is even before Etch-A-Sketch. You know, Etch-A-Sketch, you could shake it, right, Daniel? You could just shake an Etch-A-Sketch to get a clean slate. But this was the iPad pad of the Victorian era and what they would do is they would write on there with chalk and then once the teacher saw their assignment they would get a clean slate. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? And so one of the things that that I know about writing how many of y'all have ever written on a chalkboard? Right? How many of you remember when you would go into school and sometimes you get like a special assignment? I got a lot of special assignments uh, when I was in school, uh, not because you know, all the good students got special assignments, but the bad students got extra special assignments. So sometimes the assignments would be to clean the chalkboard. Anybody ever do that, like in school? And so you would go in, like during lunch or after school, and they would have you clean the chalkboard. Well, why would you have to clean the chalkboard? Because you use the eraser all the time. Because you know that as you write on that chalkboard and you erase it, that there is a remnant, there's a residue of the chalk that you left on there before. Right? And so what you have to do is you go in there and use this chemical that was like a chalkboard cleaner, and you put it on the chalkboard, and you clean it, and you'd be like, oh, man, I hope I get to be the first one to write on the chalkboard. Right? That was the only time you ever wanted to write on the chalkboard when you were a student, if you're like me. You know, you were probably that. Leslie was probably that student. You know, oh, me, I want to go up, and I want to write. Not me, man. I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, four plus two is chicken. You know, I was like, I'm like, I don't want to get up there and show anybody how sm- smart or unsmart I am. So... But if that board was clean, how many of you wanted to leave your mark on it the first time? And uh, sometimes when I, I'm learning to be a morning person, 
Um, and this is the reality. I'm not a morning person at all. I don't like to talk to people till like 10 in the morning. And so what I've started doing is I've started waking up extra early so I could have plenty of time to myself so I can get in a good mood before anybody else wakes up. So I'm not a morning person, so I have to get up extra early because I'm not, because if I'm going to have interaction with people, I want to be my best. So I get up in the morning and spend my time with the Lord. And, and I, what I've found is that in the morning, from about the time of like 7 in the morning till 10 in the morning, I'm the most productive. Like if I'm studying for a message or I'm trying to do anything that really takes like brain power, right, um, then, then it's best for me to do that from like 7 in the morning until like 10 in the morning. That's like my most productive time. And what I've, and I've always wondered, I'm like, well, why is that? Why is it? It's because when I wake up, the, the slate is clean. And it's like as I go through the day, I write things on there, and then I erase it, but there's still a residue. And it's like my focus isn't as good. It isn't quite as clear, but when I wake up and I do things right in the morning, I get going well, right? I have a clean slate. And, uh, you know, when we came to Jesus, come on. Can I tell you today that he didn't just give us a clean slate? Some of us, that's what we want in our life. We come to Jesus. Jesus, give me a clean slate. Can I tell you, Jesus doesn't give you a clean slate. Jesus gives you a new slate. And there's a big difference between a new slate and a clean slate. Now, for the redeemed, we get refreshing. We get our slate clean sometimes by the Lord. He'll come in and do a cleansing. But when we come to Jesus, there's no residue there. And I want to share with you this morning about having a, a, a clean start. Not a clean slate, but a clean start. Everybody say a clean start. A clean start. Now, all of Christianity hinges around not just our sins being wiped away, but an experience we call being reborn. We call it being born again. That means something has to die in order to be reborn. It's like the phoenix, right? What was it, like a dragon? What was it before? It's a bird, and it dies and becomes like this different kind of bird, a new creature, I think. I don't know. I'll let you Dungeons & Dragons people figure that out. <laughs> Witchcraft. Okay. Um, but Christianity hinges on the reality of what we refer to sometimes as the new life or life in Christ or being born again or the reborn. And this is where we get it from. John chapter 3, if you got your Bible or your app, you can open it up there. And it says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Everybody say Nicodemus. That's fun to say. Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with them. In reply, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Now, hold on. He comes to him and he's like, Jesus, I'm attracted to you because of what I've seen you doing. I'm attracted to you because of the signs, miracles, and wonders, and all this kind of stuff. I know that you're a teacher from God. And then Jesus uses this opportunity not to necessarily talk about the signs that he's doing, but the position and the reality of being able to function in those signs. Some of y'all get that later. In reply, Jesus declared, I'll tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom. What is the kingdom? The kingdom is the place, the realm of signs, miracles, and wonders. So he's saying, Jesus is saying, you want the key to get into this 
thing. You want to know about the signs, miracles, and wonders, but I'm telling you, it's a lot more than signs, miracles, and wonders. It's a thing called the kingdom. And he said, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again, unless he is reborn. How can you see the kingdom? How does someone get into the kingdom? Um, I fear that in our culture in 2015, I, 16, have I said 2015 already? I'm going to be doing that thing all week, uh, year. Uh, so, in 2016, I think that, you know, we, we have a statement in church that we say, well, we need to be in the world, but not of it. How many of you have ever heard that? I, my fear is there's too many people that are in the church, but not of it. There's too many people that are in the church and not of it. What do I mean? I mean that they come in, they, they come and they experience church. You ask them their story. So tell me about your relationship with God. Well, I started going to church. So you're in the church, but you're not of the church. To be of the church, we're saying to be of the kingdom of God. That you are part of this kingdom. You are part of the dominion of God. You're part of the rulership of Jesus. And we've got so many people coming into the church, we make it real easy for them to come in, but not of. And that's scary. Maybe that's a prophetic uh, word for us this year is that we won't just invite people to church, but we'll invite people to be part of the church, to invite people to be part of the kingdom, not to, not to have a, a club that we go to, a social club, a thing that we're a part of to make us feel better, or that we can be encouraged, which is great. You'll get all those things. Those are great. But don't just be in the church. Be of the church. Be the church. You are the church. Right? That's, that's a good word, Pastor Josh. That's good. Shout. I'll tell you the truth. That a boy. I'll tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God. Unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he's old? Uh, I don't know if Nicodemus is being smart here or what, but he's, he's not being smart. Either he's being ridiculously sarcastic or he really doesn't understand. How can a man be born when he's old? That doesn't make sense, Jesus. Surely he can't enter a second time into his mother's womb and be, be born. And Jesus says this, I'll tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom. Let me break it down for you. Unless he is born of water which we have a couple of pregnant women in the room today that are quickly, soon, hopefully this week, going to have babies that will be born of water. Right? You were born of water. When you were born, water came out. Two, uh, two of our, three of our children had a water birth. They were actually born into water. But you're born of water. You're born of your mother. But Jesus said you can't come into the kingdom of God unless first you're born of water and you're born of the Spirit. Just because you come to church doesn't mean you're born of Spirit. Can I tell you this? Just because you keep the Ten Commandments or you're a good person means that you're born of Spirit. Just because you join a church, it's good to join a church, doesn't make you born of Spirit. I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You shouldn't be surprised by me saying, you must be born again. You must be born a second time. You must be reborn. This is what the gospel, the kingdom of God hinges on. So I ask you today, when were you reborn? 
When were you born again? It's a good question for you to ask yourself that, right? When did I, ex- when did I experience a new birth? I know when I was born. I was born on June 24th, 1974. But when were you born the second time? Right? When did that happen? So in order to have a clean start, we must be reborn. We're not just adding on resolutions. We're being reborn. Everybody say reborn. In case you forget to say that. We're not talking about like born like B-O-R-N-E, like Jason born. Talking about birth, reborn. Number two, re-identified. So a clean start means that you're reborn and then you're re-identified. Yes, I created a word, re-identified. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, But all who believe in him and accepted him, he gave them the right to become children of God. See, not everybody's a child of God. Right? Oh, we're all children. No, no, no. Well, we're not all children of God. Just because you're alive, you're a human, doesn't mean you're a child of God. It just means you're a human. But those who believed in him and accepted him, he gave them the right, the exousia, the authority, to become children of God. They are reborn. Not with a physical birth resulting in human passion or plan, (laughs) but a birth that comes from God. How are we reborn? By believing and accepting Jesus. That's how you're reborn. You're reborn because you've placed placed your faith in the man Christ Jesus. Y'all okay? Now, to be re-identified means this, is that you are born again. So now what what are you born into? You're born into sonship. See, can I tell you today that you are not a sinner? You've been re-identified. Stop going, well, that's the way I am. That's my nature. This is my tendency. I'm just a bitter person. I'm just a frustrated person. I'm just easily irritated. I just don't like children. I just don't like people. That's the way I am. Guess what? You're reborn and you're re-identified. You're no longer who you used to be because you're reborn. And now you have a new identity. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God because you've been reborn by placing your faith in Jesus. You're not a sinner. You're not an enemy of God anymore. If you're going to say, oh, I'm a sinner, we're all sinners saved by grace. No, 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 no. We were sinners. It's very important for you to recognize that. You were a sinner, filthy, rotten, pagan sinner. You were that. I was that. We were jacked up, far from God. We needed rescue. We were messed up. But God said they're so messed up, I'm going to go get messed up. And they're going to mess me up, and I'll take their place so they can have the position that I have before my Father. They won't be sinners anymore. They'll be just like me, children of God. You're not a sinner. You have the right to become a child of God because of what Jesus paid for. Check this out. In, in the identification, in, in your new identity, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, all praise in God to the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again. It is the mercy of God. See, you don't, you don't really deserve to be a child of God. Can I tell you how many rights that you have as a human being? Well, all humans. No, no, no. Humans are sinners, rotten, filthy. We are, don't say, well, they're a good person. No, 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 no. 
I mean, you compare them to another guy who's a rotten person, then yeah, maybe they are. But, but God doesn't see you. God doesn't compare you to other people. He compares you to perfection, which is in Christ Jesus, who Jesus is. That's, the standard is Jesus. <laughs> That's a high standard, right? But in God, in his, so you don't deserve anything. Oh, it's a basic human right. I, I know, I know. Can I tell you today that really you're just a sinner, but God saw value in you. Without Jesus, you're just a sinner. By his mercy. He said, when we were yet sinners. Don't you love that? Romans, I believe, is 5, 8 says, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet alienated from God, when we were enemies of God, while we were sinners, we were jacked up. We were screwed up people. And Jesus said, I love them. While we were yet sinners, I'll go for them. I'll get them. I'll clean them up. I'll take care of them. I'll adopt them into my family. I'll take them. And I'll pay the price to have them. That's mercy. So because of God's great mercy, you have been re-identified. You're no longer a sinner. You're a child. Now you, now you have this priceless inheritance. Check this out. So with his great mercy, we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now we live with great expectation. What is that? What is great expectation? That's hope. We live with great expectation. We live with great hope. Can I tell you, 2016, get your hopes up. Get your hopes as high as you can get them. Well, I kind of hope. No, no, no. You just hope up. Well, I just, I don't know. You know, I kind of hope for a new job. No, no, no. You believe it with great expectation. That's not hope. That's wishful thinking. What you're doing, well, I kind of hope. No, no, no. I believe this. I hope this year that we get into a new facility. Come on. That we'll be able to double in size this year, not just because we'll double in size and be able to blah, 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 blah about it, but so we can see more people impacted by the reality of Jesus. So we're believing that with great expectation. We believe this is a year. How can we believe like that? Because we're a child. We're a child of God. And my God gives good gifts. This is going to be the best year of your life. You need to start saying, this is going to be the best year. This one. I know 2015 sucked. I know it. 2016, the best year ever. And you need to start living with that optimism. Let it guide your life. Stop being negative. Stop speaking about your circumstances. Live with great expectation. Why? Because you're doomed? No. You have a priceless inheritance. So it says right here, we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance. We have a new hope. <laughs> Star Wars reference, New Hope. Y'all okay today? So you've been reborn, and because you've been reborn, you have been re-identified. And can I tell you today that you have also been repurposed. You have been repurposed. Everybody say repurposed. Look at your neighbor and say, I've been reborn. I've been re-identified. And I am repurposed. You had a purpose. It was good that you had a purpose. But guess what? You have a new purpose. You're repurposed. We bought this wood on the back wall here. It was an old fence. Someone built that. It was purposed to be a fence. We repurposed it. Purposed. On on purpose. Purposed. 
That's, why is that funny? I can't tell jokes. I could just be goofy to make people laugh, and that's okay. I guess. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece, or workmanship, as one translation says. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. He's created you new. You've been reborn. You've been re-identified. Why? Because God has a purpose for you. For the things that God planned for us long ago. So long ago, long, 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 long time ago, in a land far, far, a galaxy far, far away, God's, God had a dream. And his dream was you. And his dream that you would accomplish and you would release his kingdom on the earth. This is God's dream for you. God has an incredible dream for you. It's an inheritance. It's the good things that he's planned for you. It's not bad. It's not trouble. It's not discouragement. It's not frustration. God will use those things to work his purpose in your life. Don't get me wrong. Come on. Does it, does it mean that you'll be free from persecution or tension in your life? That will come. Absolutely. But even no matter how cruddy it is, getting better. No matter how cruddy it is, God will figure out a way to work it for your good because you've been repurposed. Because you're no longer for you, you're for him now. Because you've been reborn, you've been re-identified, and now you've been repurposed. So anything that comes in and goes in your life, you go, God will get a purpose out of it. I don't need to complain. I don't need to be mad. I don't need to let it set the course of my day or my life because I belong to God. And he's repurposing it. And everything that's pointed at your life for a negative person, purpose, God will work it for a good purpose. Isn't it good how our God is? Isn't he good? So talking about this clean start, y'all okay today? All right. Make sure you feel encouraged. A clean start means embracing three things. Number one, embracing that new life. Embracing it. You know, I talk to a lot of people a lot of times, and they make a lot of excuses for their sinfulness or their lack or their weakness. They say, well, that's just the way I am. Can I tell you today, that's not the way you are anymore. Look, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. Christ's love controls us. If you don't like that word control, use the word compel, as one translation says. I actually like the word controls. I love to be under God's control. It's better than being under my control. I don't want my independence. I screw things up. So Christ's love controls us since we believe that Christ died for all. We also believe that we have died to our old life. It's the phoenix. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life no longer live for themselves. Just be, do whatever makes you happy. This is what the world tells us. Do whatever gives you instant gratification. God says, got something else for you. But that's not what I want to do. Who is your king? Those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. Let me remind you, it's not about you. Right? It's not about me. It's not about you. We no longer live for ourselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought, 
of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. New person. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. One translation says it this way, a new creation. The old life is gone. Paul dropped the pin when he wrote that. The old life is gone. (laughs) The new life has begun. Can I tell you, the old life is gone. The way you were raised, well, you don't understand. This is the way I was raised. The old life is gone. Well, I was raised in church. The old life is gone. Gone. Asta. Shalom. Peace. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. New creation in the Greek means new creation. The word is actually formation, that you've been formed into something new. Can I tell you, you're either a new creation with a new nature or you're not. That's why you you don't, it's illegal for you to say, I'm a sinner. No, you're not. You've been reborn. You used to be a sinner. And then now you have a B story. That was your A story. This is your B story. It's not part two. It's actually a different story. That's good news. That is really good news. What part of new creation do you not understand? Brand new. Brand new creation. When you come to Christ, new start. Well, what about brand new? Brand spanking new. It's not repackaged or refurbished. We bought a Mariah wanted a, a computer for Christmas. And I mean, I, we, didn't, we weren't going to spend the money and buy a new computer because they're expensive. But we thought, well, maybe we can get a refurbished computer. I mean, those will be pretty cheap, right? We can, we can afford that because we're, we're wise with our budget. We're not going to go spend a grand to buy a computer for Christmas. So I got online and I found this old MacBook. It was like a 2007 model. I was like, oh, yeah. She'll love it. And it said on there, refurbished. Now, if you guys know anything about, like, the tech world, refurbished means that they, like, go through and check everything out and make sure it's running. If there's something messed up, then they fix it, and they clean it, and they wipe it, and they do all this stuff to it, and they refurb it. That's what's called refurbished. So it's, it's, it's as good as new, but not quite new. How many of you ever bought anything refurbished before? So we get the computer, and she's playing with it Christmas Day. We get it found on this you know, we're like, oh, we're so excited. I mean, her eyes, she was all lit up. <gasps> right? She was so excited, opened that box, and it was like, she was freaking out. And uh, we were <laughs> taking pictures, you know. And uh, so the next day, she's like, hey, something's wrong with my computer. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm kind of you know, remembering who Josh Brown used to be, right? <laughs> Trying to pick up that whole life. I'm like, oh, my daughter. And so we, you know, we, we looked around, and, and what happened is they didn't really refurbish it properly. 
you know what I'm saying? They they didn't go through some problems with the battery or something. So we were like in this deal right now, trying to get it returned and get her something else, or you know, try to get a better refurbed version. Because <laughs> we don't have a you know a budget for, or do we want to spoil our daughter with a thousand dollar computer? What's the point? The point is, is you are not a refurbished version of your old self. You're not just a wiped clean, reinstall the software, clean you up a little bit. Hopefully you work for a couple of weeks system. No, 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 no. You are a brand new system. The old system is gone in the trash. Whatever that was. And the new system boots up and runs like it's brand new. You're new. Listen, quit resolving to the remnants of old. It's gone. Gone. You don't have to live with regret. This is what we do. We, we, we go, well, you know, if I would have made better decisions. Dude, I can tell you for 18 years, I made a mess of my life. I was screwed up. But once I came to Jesus, I was like, what do I have to regret? I got a brand new life. Not just a brand new lease on life. I got a brand new life. Brand new. I've been reborn. So, child of God, listen. A clean start means embracing the new life. Embrace this new life. I will also say this. We don't add Jesus on. You don't add the king of kings on. Well, I have my church life and my Jesus life. And then I have like, you know, my, my, my fun life. So you say. As you're hugging porcelain thrones the next morning. I have this life and then I have this life. You've only got one life to live. You can have your old life if you want it. I don't know why you would because you screwed it up just like I did. Or you can have the new life that is in Christ. It's not with Christ, necessarily. It's in Christ. The old life has to die. Jesus, let me also say this. Jesus isn't part of your life. No, he is your life. Jesus is your life. He's not part of your life. He's not a little added-on accessory. Oh, look at my Jesus. So I can get on and whatever. I'm a Christian. Don't look like it. I know. I'm free to do whatever. That's the life that God, Jesus saved you for that? His great mercy for that? His great mercy so you can make a mess of what you have now? That's not mercy at all. Mercy says, oh, they're so screwed up. Let me get you out of there. I got a new life for you. That's how merciful my king is. Since you've heard Ephesians 4, listen, there's the way you were and then the way that you are now. The way that you were was that way. The way you are now is like Jesus. Well, I just, I need to be more like Jesus. You are more like Jesus. Act like it. It's your position. You've already been repositioned. You already had that position. Now act like it. Act like a child of God. Quit acting like a child of the devil. If you want to know what a child, a child of God acts, then read 1 John. Those that continue in sin are children of the devil. That's what it says. 
I didn't say it. I just repeated it. Okay. Ephesians 4. Back on track. Since you have heard Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your formal way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature. What nature? Your new nature, created to be like God. How many know that your new nature was created to be like God? Right? Well, that's just not what I... That's the old man talking. Well, I just... That's the old man. That's the old man talking. Truly righteous and holy. So, first of all, embrace the new creation. Number two, embrace the new mindset or the new thought set. How do you think? Now, in our, in, our, in our thought patterns, we get to contribute to our thought patterns, right? The people we're around, the things that we think about all the time, the things that we talk about actually contribute to our mind. Uh, the music we listen to, the movies we watch, the TV programs we watch, all this stuff influences our mind. It causes us to think a certain way. And so some of us, we have too much of the world in us that we're so caught up in the world and, and being uh, relevant or whatever you want to call it, that the world has polluted our mindset. What we've allowed is we've allowed some of that old nature to come in, and it's not even our nature, it's just the nature of somebody else, and it's coming in and it's creeping in and it's changing our mindset. Well, one of the words for repentance is metanoia, or metanoia, and that, that means the change your thinking. How do you come into the kingdom? By changing your thinking. You think differently now as a new creation. You have a new mind. You have a new thought set. Now, notice that it, that it says in Romans 12, too, because a lot of what, what happens is I'm a charismatic. I mean, I'm really into, like, the gifts of the Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. I pray in tongues all the time. I'm, like, I'm, I'm a charismatic guy. Um, but Romans 12 says that, that we know the will of God by the, the renewal of our mind. It doesn't say the removal of our mind. Now, most charismatics think, well, you just need to remove your mind and just go whatever you feel. That's a problem. That can actually be very carnal. Because today I might feel like reading my Bible and tomorrow I might not. Or maybe I feel like God's saying, blah, 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 blah. well, what are you doing to renew your mind? We don't need to remove our mind. Now our old mind is gone, but now that we're in Christ, we need to be renewing our mind. We need to be refreshing our mind. How do you do that? By the washing of the word. That's what scripture says. By listening to messages. By not just listening to the junk. Listen, I'm not going to tell you you're going to go to hell or anything for listening to something that's outside the kingdom. If you're going to do that, fine. But make sure that you are washing your mind with things that are holy, with things that are pure, with things that are going to make you think about Jesus. Well, it doesn't affect me. All does it? Does it provoke you to think about Jesus? Does it provoke you to think about your new life or a life that they have? Because, I mean, I've watched the TV programs before, and then all I can think about is that life that's totally not kingdom-minded at all, you know, when I do my Netflix binges. And I'm like, ah, I'm dreaming about zombies and how I'm going to, I don't know, it's not even real, you know. I'm like, you know, about a year ago, we were, like, on our Walking Dead marathon. We watched, like, six seasons in, like, three days. And you guys know how it is when you binge on Netflix. It's awesome. 
But like, I've got to like renew my mind after that. I mean, I've got to like, I'm like, we're watching this too much. We, we've got, we've really got to limit ourselves to like 10 episodes a day. <laughs> Thanks. I am kidding. Kind of. Most days we didn't watch 10. Okay. Um, but what is your mindset? Listen, we need to be intellects in the kingdom. I know that in charismania sometimes intellectual is kind of like we look at that as the enemy. It is not the enemy. Listen, we have the mind of Christ. It doesn't get much smarter than that. You need to study the word of God. You need to listen to things that challenge your thinking. Come on. You need to study apologetics, especially in this age. Some of you don't even know what that is. Well, that tells me you need to dig in. You need to listen to some things that make you think. So when you're talking to people, you do have reasoning. You're not just like, well, it's just because I feel the Holy Spirit. And they're like, you're weird. I don't even get that. And you're like, and then you try to like pray for them and they don't get healed. And they're like, there's not even any power here. And you were, and then God told you to be prepared to give every man an answer. And you didn't have an answer. You just prayed for them and they just got weirded out and nothing happened. Pray for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. You guys know me. I'm all about that. Do that first. But you better have the reasoning behind it as well. You better be skilled in your thoughts. Because can I tell you today that spiritual warfare happens as much between the ears as it does on your knees. That's why it says take every thought captive and bring it to the obedience of Christ. Spiritual warfare, most of it is in our head. So what are you doing to work your thinking? And listen, not just becoming smarter, but actually start thinking the way that God thinks. When you see someone that irritates you, because we all do, they cut you off in traffic, they're begging, they're irritating, stop seeing them and thinking them about the way that you think about them and start thinking about them the way that God thinks about them. That will change your attitude. Um, again, Get in the Word, man. When you got that commute, listening to podcasts, listening to things that are going to really nourish your mind and equip you. Um, all right. Are you guys with me? And then also, listen, think, think like a child of God. Think like God thinks. Think like a child of God. Think like an ambassador. You know, when I go to, like, Walmart, I, my, my first instinct is like, oh, here we go again. <sighs> Father, I, I'm not praying like... I'm not praying that God will use me. I'm praying that I'll survive. I'm praying that I won't be irritated or, you know, um, backslide or something. And I'm like, I'm walking through. (laughs) So I'm walking through Walmart, and it's like I've stopped seeing myself, like, as these people in me. I'm like, I'm walking in. I'm like, here I am. I'm representing Jesus. Now, I don't like, I'm like, whose feet can I wash? Because that's how Jesus came. That's the attitude of Jesus. And so we need to start having that mindset everywhere we're going. When you work. I know that you hate your job, some of you, but you represent Jesus there. The reason he has you there is to represent him there. So stop going, I'm going to work today. I'm going to count a bean again. Bye, four, bye. No, no, you count them beans like you represent God. Because Scripture tells you, Scripture tells you, Scripture tells you that you, that when you work, you work as unto the Lord. So if you're counting beans, we've talked about this before. If you're counting beans, you're counting for God. God, I thank you, Lord, for being number 452,964. God, I thank you for being, 
know what I'm saying? Maybe not that hyper-spiritual, but you have that attitude that you're in there and that you're working for God. Then you don't, like, look at your job and be like, oh, I just hate my job. Oh, God to give me a new job. And God's like, I just want you to, like, serve me and love me there and, like, watch me use you because the reason why you're there is so someone else can be reborn. And if you would just open your eyes and open your thinking and open your mind and open your attitude to be like me, someone might get changed. But you're just asking for a way out. God don't want to give you a way out. God wants to see you transform the culture. Because God, God didn't, when, when, when God gave you a new nature, it wasn't an escape nature. It wasn't a stealth nature so you can sneak out of situations. No, no, no. It's so you can sneak into situations and bring transformation. That's what he created you for. Doesn't mean, Mister. Just get me out of everything. We need to start praying prayers like this. Lord, get me in there. Get me in the grime and the granny and the grime and whatever gruesome the word you can think of. Know some words? I'm thinking. I don't can't put language to them words. Whatever grit. Lord, get me in there where I hate it, and I could just love you, and the people that are there that are so miserable that I can bring hope to them. I remember uh, years ago. We were uh, in a financial crisis, real difficult t- season in our life, and uh, out of ministry for a couple months. Well, we weren't. We were out of paid ministry for a couple months. Let me put it that way. You're never out of ministry if you're a believer. And uh, so I was working midnight shift at Target, and uh, I remember walking in there. And is anybody in here ever worked the night shift? Does anybody currently work the night shift? Okay, I can tell you. All right, so so I'm just kidding. So anyway, people that work the night shift. They're a little, little different. <laughs> you know, Dalton used to work the night shift. I mean, they're just, you know, the something comes out at night, you know, whatever. And um, and so I used to always tease that when I was going to work at 11 o'clock at night that I was going to go hunt dragons. I just made all these little fun things. But I went there and I started working at Target. And I was just like, God, I'm, I'm, working, for my fa- I'm working to be a good provider for my family. I know that I'm not making very much money, but I'm going to go and I'm going to represent Jesus there. Can I tell you, I got tons of ministry opportunities. People ask me questions. I wasn't like, let me pray for every person. I wasn't, I was doing my work, hard work. And when people would ask me questions, I let them know who I was. I let them know what I was doing. I let them know that I was a follower of Christ. I served. I loved on them. I encouraged them. I was a good employee. And I tell you, so many ministry opportunities came out of that. But I had to see myself as I'm working for God. Not working for Target. Yeah, their name's on the check or whatever. It's not a very big check, but I'm working here, but I'm doing it for God. And God rewarded me in that season uh, to be able to, to, to be a blessing where I was at. Stop asking to get out and start being a blessing where you're at. Well, you don't know. You don't have the job. Shut up. Stop it. Stop thinking like that. This is the year. It's time to start thinking like an ambassador of God. By his mercy, he put you in that job. I know you're thinking this isn't, this isn't grace, Lord, when you're working. But he's like, it is my grace. You have a job. And I'll put you there. And you're going to do good. And I want you to be a blessing to the people there. That's God's heart for you wherever you're at. Stop complaining. Complainers are drainers, not blessers. Okay. New mindset. Embrace the new life. Embrace the new mindset. And number three, embrace the new attitude and lifestyle, which we've kind of been talking about. Listen, start functioning like a child of God, like an ambassador for Christ. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Your attitude should be the same 
as that of Christ Jesus. Look, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He didn't come to the earth and be like, I represent God. He did, but he didn't act that way. He's like, I'm here to represent God. This is what God looks like. Washing the feet of the homeless. This is what God looks like. Sacrificing my convenience for others. This is what God looks like. Being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Listen, we're not, when we talk about being ambassador, we're not talking about being divas for God. Because I've seen people do that. They're like, well, I don't know who they think they are. I'm an ambassador for God. I'm like, did, did you not read the Gospels? Because Jesus looks a little bit different than that. A lot different than that. But made himself nothing. Taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Why does it say even death on a cross? Because that is the most insult that, that could be the most insulting thing that God could ever do to die like a criminal. Because our God is no criminal. To be you gotta understand that the cross is something completely drastic. It's it's day and night. That's the reason why Jesus died on the cross, because he wanted to show you how 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 drastically different, how drastically intense. His commitment was God on the highest throne to die like a criminal, to be sped upon. Why? Mercy. Mercy so you and I could move forward. Mercy so we could live this new life, so we could have this new mind, so we could have this new lifestyle. Listen, it's not a demand from heaven. It's the mercy. He's like, come on, baby, let's do it. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Even death on a cross, my God. Death on a cross. That's intense. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and on heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, some of you, it's time. It's time to embrace the new life. It's time to embrace the new attitude. It's time to quit carrying around that old man. Just wearing it like a garment. This is the way I am. These are my rights. And Jesus is saying, just take it off. Throw off that old man. Throw off that old man. Get rid of it. Don't throw it on somebody else. Get rid of that old man and embrace your new nature.